Hello and welcome to the podcast, Life Changes You. Today I'm talking to Jane Bruin about her life and what inspires her and what keeps her positive. She has worked in the mental health industry and there's a few other things we'll talk about. So I'd like to introduce Jane. How are you, Jane? (laughs) Good, thank you, Dan. How are you? Yeah, good. How have you coped through COVID-19? Secretly, I've enjoyed it, kind of. Yeah. I like the doggy walks and I like the simple life. It's been a bit of a rest. Yeah, and it's been quite quiet, hasn't it? It's been nice not to have to be rushing anywhere. Yeah, and focusing on your own self-care and, yeah. you know. Which yeah. I don't think we ever get time to do that. No. Yeah. But I realise I'm lucky. You know, there are people in much worse situations and, you know, young kids or women in domestic violence. Oh, terrible. You know. Yeah. And that's so, what I was saying to someone the other day. I was saying, you know, look, it's amazing how well we're doing, but when you think that statistics in domestic violence and self-harm and things like that have shot up because people don't have a, an opportunity to get out or to ask for help, you know, and sometimes people need that face-to-face contact, like it's okay to do telehealth, but there are those out there that need to actually sit in a room with someone and talk about what's happening. Yes, absolutely. As so you would I, know as your mental health nurse. Absolutely, absolutely. So Isolation's, I want, yeah, not a good thing. No, and I think, I think we'll have years to come where we'll be trying to help all those people who haven't coped through self-isolation. Mm, mm, for sure, for sure. So I would like you to give me a bit of background because this morning you told me a few other things about yourself, including yeah. you worked at a um, drop-in centre. Sure. Well, look, I started off very early in 1981, I think it was, um, as a, I, I, my mother actually got me in because she was concerned about what I was going to do and I got, she got me into the enrolled nurses training at Fairfield because I didn't have year 12. Yep. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock to the system. It was uh, uh, very um, strict and, uh, you know, I'd come from Eltham High so did I. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Um, so, you know, I, although I ended up at, at, at a secretarial course that yep. my mum got me into, she was very worried. I think I didn't, it didn't know what I wanted to do, as young kids often don't, no. and I was quite creative. But, you know, there's not lots of work in that creative area, and I didn't know where to go. Yeah. And mum... Steered me, as Sasha said, into um, Fairfield Infectious Diseases Hospital to get my endorsed nurses training, um, enrolled nurses training, which was very good really now looking back. But I I struggled with the the very conservative environment. And, and And it really affected me seeing people in such challenging situations with polio and in iron lungs, and oh, I was wow, a very yeah. sensitive young girl, and I'd go home and write poetry and cry, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then slowly um, I stayed in nursing, but I did do a massage therapy training, which yep. was really good for a bit. But um, I finally found mental health, and I felt that was a lot better for me because I was able to chat with people. Whereas in general nursing, you were like, come on, hurry up, very task-orientated. Yeah. And so, I look, I started, I worked at La Rundle for a year. Oh, yeah, which is now closed, isn't it? It's no longer there. I know, I know. And I worked in the aged care, which was quite different to what we have now. 
It was a big dormitory with carpet on the floor and, uh, sorry, I think it was shag carpet. Shagpole carpet, like an old <laughs> high school building. And, yeah, no, those very institutionalised, you know. We've come a long way. Have you ever been back to have a look? No, I haven't. Because I know, oh, look, it was probably a couple of years ago, there was someone that was, uh, and someone legal, not just someone who said, come in the back door and have a look here. Um, you could go and have a look at some of the, it was the old bathrooms and the yeah. old dormitories. And when you look at it where people have broken in and done graffiti there, it's actually quite scary. But oh. it, it's probably, I mean, because a lot of people still fear people with mental illness. But yeah. when you see it as it is now, it's more scary than I think if you'd walked in when there were people there, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, an old building that's dilapidated and got weeds and cracked windows yeah. and you know, graffiti, it always looks more uh, doom and gloom. And, look, I think there was good things in that time and bad things, you know. Yeah. I, I think I miss the gardens and things like that that we had back then. And, but, and yeah. I think when we look back on things like mental health and that, um, you know, people look back and say, oh, but it was terrible in those times. We did this, we did that. No. Uh, but when you think about it, at that time we were probably doing the best we could at that time and now we've learnt new things and so we look Absolutely. back and say how bad it was. Oh, oh, for sure. And, you know, you, you can pick whole. Yeah, that's right. I mean, certainly there was things that weren't great and that are much better now, but still think we, we have a long way to go. Oh, definitely. And more resources needed. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, I mean, I've got so much to say and I have feel like I've had so many experiences, but I, don't, I know we've only got limited time. So. That's okay. Look, I'm sure we'll get through most of them. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to be um, pick the most important things. So, yeah, I went back into um, – I found the 12-hour shifts we did then, the two days on, two days off. I found them um, too long for me because I had a horse at the time. Okay. And – you know, it was just hard to get to work, go to the horse paddock in the morning at 5.30 and then back at, you know, 9 o'clock at night or something. And I just found it hard. So I went back into aged care. Um, there was a new facility and it was full of hope and progressive and I felt it was a good place to work. We only had four uh, elderly residents per nurse. So oh, yeah. You know, we were able to give really good care. It good was um, under extended care centre. Yep. And then finally I ended up in um, at the hospital in the city, a public hospital. It was during the Russell Street bombing. Oh, okay. I worked, yeah, Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Yep. And I worked briefly there at a radiology department. To, but to be honest, uh, I worked under a very formidable um charge nurse, as we called them then, and she was a bully, really. Yeah. And it was a very awful working environment, even though it was very interesting and I learned a lot. Uh, I left there feeling very stressed. Yeah. And probably, you know, traumatised by the bullying. Yeah. And then um, I ended up cutting my finger and cutting two nerves and my index finger and I... It's funny now, but I think I needed that time off with yep. a back slab. I couldn't go and I rested and recuperated from the bullying and was able to get myself back together and then started work at Panch, Peter. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, Panch Hospital. Preston and Northcote Community Hospital. That's it? Yeah. And I got a good job. Well, 
it was good in a way. It was interesting again, working in plastic surgery. Yeah. And I really liked it, but I liked that part of it. But um, I was an enrolled nurse and a sensitive person and probably a target for bullying again. Right. And I was, I felt, you know, bullied again there. And I, fe- I met some nice colleagues, but I found that nursing's been a tough gig actually for someone who's sensitive and isn't quite, like I don't think I was as conservative as some, so I was yep. a target for bullying, I think. Well, look, when I spoke to you earlier in the day, um, we were we, we realised how well we mesh and how well um, we know different topics and stuff like that. But just when you were talking then, I mean, you worked at La Rundle and I worked at Kingsbury Training Centre. So I did those oh, wow. 12, da- 12 hour, two days on, two days off. Um, and also I broke my finger, which was my index finger, when I was working at Kingsbury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you... You found it a blessing in disguise, did you? Yeah, but look, I loved the 12-hour days because it was two on, two off. Yeah, there is advantages. And I remember the ADOs and you had six days off. Oh, yeah. And, and you had yeah, three months yeah. holiday a year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I can't remember. I was, wasn't there very long. Like yeah. I said, I was a, there a year. And then I ended up, uh, I went Panch. to Panch for about a year. And then... Um, yeah, but nursing back then, especially, you know, if you're an enrolled nurse, you were, there was a real um, a structure, you know, yep. real. Um, a hierarchy. Hierarchy was the word yep. I was looking for, exactly. So then um, finally I ended up um, after that, I went back to Bundura Extended Care, I think, and I liked it there. I worked in the pathology department and used to do ECGs on the elderly people. Yeah. I worked in the day hospital, working with lots of different people like speech therapists and okay, yeah. running groups. I used to love running the exercise groups and uh, cajoling and uh, joking with the elderly residents. Yeah. Yeah, I was good at that. <laughs> Who do you think really inspired you when you were young? Was there anyone that you went, oh, oh that person really made me feel great? Isn't it funny you say that? And I didn't, couldn't think of it, but I, you just, I've just remembered now. I was inspired by Patch Adams. I was inspired oh, yeah. by laugh, making people laugh, and you know, I'm very much the motivational, inspire people. Yeah. yeah. And so that was my, that's my main aim, I think, even in mental health. Oh, look, I think in mental health, you have to always have a positive outlook. And yep. try and find any positive slither in among what is really bad for someone. Because if you can present them with Absolutely. that, it will take them anywhere. Absolutely. They just need something to focus hope, on. Yeah, they? definitely. A lot of them. Yeah. And they're such, in such a bleak space. And if you can find that little speck of, yeah. exactly, slither, speck of light, and, and make them laugh and forget themselves in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it just it just does bring back that hope because they they sometimes it's the thoughts are so heavy and compacting on top of each other that they oh. don't see any relief and when you introduce one little thing to them they can mm. rethink what could be an amazing life you know but it will be slow for some people but as long as they keep seeing those little slithers and specks they start yep. to move forward and don't stay where they are yeah yeah and you know sometimes i think am i like sometimes I wonder whether I'm really helpful. Like I know people say I am and that's what they say, but I see these people who are really pragmatic and, 
you know, they've found this in the community for them and that. And I think, but then I do think I'm, I loosen them up and make them laugh and forget where they're at for a moment. And that's what I, that's my aim. And, and look, I think the good thing, as you just said, if you doubt yourself at times, not all the time, but if you doubt yourself and go, oh, I'm not sure about that, it's good because you're growing while they're growing. If you Thank were to just you. go in and go, all right, I know what I'm doing and this is what we're doing, you're not actually giving them any chance to put anything in because you're just like, well, this is what how we'll do it. But if you've got yeah. some doubt, then you can go, oh, okay, so they're saying that they could try this. Let's try that because we're not all perfect. Absolutely. And and. And I think I, I, recently, I, I can't remember who, but I've heard it said that, you know, people think you have to be perfect to, to be a counsellor. But no, I think you, you, if you're helping them heal, you're healing and growing. Exactly. And, and you're much more understanding when you, you're also grappling with different things and self-reflective. Yeah. Yep. Look, when I'm counselling, I learn as much off of them as they learn from me. And exactly. that's how we all grow because if I just went in and went, okay, well, here's your solutions, who, who learns from that? You need to see them break down a bit and go, okay, I could try this. And then in some ways inside we're breaking down as counsellors going, okay, well, how about we try this or look at what they've just brought to the party. This is a really good idea. I would have never thought of it. So yeah. to be able to just yeah. stand back and see it open up and flourish, I guess, yeah. gives everybody opportunity yeah. to grow. And I also think you're less intimidating if you go in in a humble manner. Yes. And, you know, like as I'm working with in parent-infant program that I do now, I find it and, – and I have this wonderful friend who comes in and works with us every now and then and she gives me the word that I'm doing. I go, oh, I stand back, look at the baby and say to the mother and I'll stand next to the mother and say, I'm wondering, do you think your baby needs this so that I'm not – over, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. power over and telling her what to do. The authority. Yeah, you're giving yeah. her chance to grow and, and to think. Oh, actually, that might be something. Or, oh, I thought he might need this, and then she can ask you, and you can go. That's exactly what you need to do. Yeah, and you're helping boost their confidence, and that's that's my the biggest friend thing. who I spoke to the other day because um, I was talking to her about doing this interview. You know, she was saying, "Yeah, you really get the recovery focus." You know. Empowering the patient, the, the patient, the consumer, the client, whatever what the they call it. It's changing every week. <laughs> Sorry, it's changing every week. I mean, oh, no, in our business, like consumer. It sounds well, we very... used to call them clients, and now we call them participants. And every oh. now and again, I hear client, and I go to say client, and I go, no participant. Participants better actually. I'm liking yeah. participant. That's yeah. about the best one I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> What has been the best part of the mental health industry you've worked in? What do you think is the best thing that you've done? Oh, the best thing I've done. I actually didn't tell you that I ended up going to Queensland just quickly and I worked there in Townsville General Hospital. Yeah. And I mainly worked on the mental health unit. I used to go around everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was a casual nurse at at that hospital. Yeah. And then I came back to Melbourne and I – ended up just being casual for some time until I got back into mental health in 2005. Okay. And I worked four days a week agency and I went everywhere. Yep. Until I finally settled settled down yep. in 2009 at Broadmeadows Mental Health. Yep. And worked there for four years and then came to the Austin. Okay. So, sorry, now getting back to what oh, the what did you say? What 
Well, I sort of changed the question a little bit. I sort of said, what was your your favourite part of working in the mental health industry? Because also, I think I I touched on, but you haven't added in there that you worked in a drop-in centre. Or you oh, managed right. to drop into Yeah, that's right. I'll tell you about that. That was my favourite job. Yeah. But my favourite part about working in mental health is um, meeting so many interesting different people and sitting with people without, I like to say, I'm going to use the word, bullshit, the real, yeah. raw, genuine. There's no know, mask. People are stripped bare of everything and they're real and they're, I love that. Yeah. I love that depth. Um, working at the dropping centre, it was just a, I was just an agency nurse, but I did a year there. And so I became like a permanent worker. Yeah. Um, I was, someone was on sick leave and oh, I loved it. It was great. I worked in this place called Terra Firma and people would come in and, you know, some would strum a guitar, some would go into the office area and get online um, some would um, come into the kitchen and make, there was a big urn and they'd make yeah. a cup of tea or coffee and there was gardens and there was groups and I loved that and I like working in a multidimensional team Yeah, because I find you learn off each oh, other and everyone's yeah. got a different aspect to add yeah. and um, I think I did a really good job of that and at the end I actually got asked back. I'd left about a month and they got me back for going away and a few of them said, oh, you're the best drop-in worker we ever had. And, you know, they because I was vibrant and, you know, I was yeah. good, I'm a good host. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and you must also be a compassionate person and empathetic that they draw, are drawn to you because they understand yeah. that you understand them. Yeah, yeah. I, and I've got a lovely gift of one one client who, who was a very shy young person who had um, – who was who was gay from a culture that might be find it be quite conservative towards yeah. gay people, and he he was so timid when he first came in, and I didn't think I did that much, but you know my personality really helped draw him out, and he thanked me so sincerely, and it was beautiful to and know. And probably his your really him. probably your genuine acceptance because oh, he's probably absolutely. never felt that before. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right, Dan. And that was really satisfying. Yeah. Very yeah. satisfying. Well, I'll tell you the best gift I ever got from a participant or client. Um, it yeah. was my birthday and they had wrapped up this present for me and I thought, oh, they've never given me a present before. And when I opened it, it was a menu for the cheesecake shop. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, it was... <laughs> But it was still good. It was nice to have the present. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do you think are the biggest changes you've seen in the mental health oh, industry? Oh, um, well, good and bad. I, don't, I think um, I miss the, you know, like where I work at the Austin, we don't have the land for people yeah. to go and walk. Um, we're up right on the corner of a very busy road. Yeah. I mean, and most mental health units are like that now at hospitals. Um and we seem to have more time to actually be out on the ward and um so spend more time with people more time with people yeah. i think you know accountability and let you know um as nursing and up and all areas of life have been more scrutinized and we have we be, we've become so um risk averse is it yes. you know where yeah. yeah that's the terminology where um 
we're scrutinised and legally held accountable for so many things, it's stifled. Yes. Uh, and I think yeah. that happens in all areas. And so that's frustrating for me. And sometimes, you know, I think, oh, what a load of crap, you know. Like I can't help yeah. it. Look, I'm trying oh. to think of the word and I can't think of uh, more um – you're not able to just do things like off the cuff. You're not able to just go, no, oh, let's go like and do this because you, to... you need to check off everything on that checklist first. Oh, it does my head in. Everything's yeah. so regulated. And, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm probably because I find it hard with my personality and my wanting to be um, just to go with my intuition in a moment and just do things. But, but I guess, you know, I've got, I do have to realise that, it has improved things too. And I actually had an interesting conversation many years ago now with a, um, a patient at the Parent Infant Program who said she was she was involved in um, improving things in nursing and she said, oh, you probably won't like it though because it will be harder for nurses. But, you know, I get that they did need to improve things for patients. I get that. Yeah. But- I mean, when you were saying before about not so many wide open spaces uh, at mental health facilities. I mean, that obviously it costs more money to have bigger land for them to walk on. But a lot of people with mental health issues, if they're able to get out and have a walk in the morning or in the evening where they know yeah. they're safe, it gives them that opportunity to think through some of their issues. And do gardening and all yeah. those things. And, you know, I know they try to do that in the acute psych unit. They have a little, but, it, but we haven't got the area, no. Yeah. Not that we used to. Um, so, look, I mean, I'm going to skip down a couple of questions because we've actually covered most of those. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? <laughs> yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. So what, what do you think your unique skills are? Obviously, empathy, compassion. What else um, would you say? I think the biggest skill I have is being able to go up to anybody and start a conversation and build a rapport. In, like, people say that to me. Like, I'm able to build a rapport with people in it very yeah. quickly. With the most prickly person, usually. Yeah, and that says a lot about you, doesn't it? Because, you know, if you can be open as soon as someone meets you, I mean, because, I mean, I meet lots of people too, and I always feel like anyone I talk to, I I say at work that, you know, I don't read your report first, I meet you first, and then if I think I need to read the report, that's when I read that because I don't yeah. want to have a, a stock standard idea of who you are in my head and then yes. meet you and go, well, you're not like that. So I meet them, get to know them, and then maybe the week after I'll go back and read that report and go, oh, I don't agree with that, that and that. Oh, I agree with that. So that you don't have any of those preconceived ideas about people. Love that. I think that's great, very important. Because yeah. even, even yeah. when we're the most open and relaxed people, when yeah. we read a report we can still have that prejudgment of a person. And yes. Oh, of course, we can be so prejudiced and yeah. biased. And in easily. mental health, you know, we think of schizophrenia, bipolar, all these different things that we work with. And if someone says, oh, you know, there's schizophrenia, they do this, they do that, da, 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 you go, oh, my God. But if you don't mm. read that first and you meet them and see how they are, then something mm. happens and you go, oh, okay, so that's where that comes in, you know. But it's a lot easier to work with someone when you're not already thinking, oh, they've got this, 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 and this. That's right. And, you know, and... We've got to be care- so careful in mental health. I've seen situations so often where a nurse has come into uh, and, and, and handed over something about a patient and thought that they knew what was going on and I've gone, oh, actually, no, I, you know, I've actually um, 
work told for the patient to do that. Yeah, so, yeah. And they've just had this preconceived idea yeah. and misjudged the person and thought they were making a bad choice or a, you know, ill. And I've gone, no, yeah, you, you get what I mean. Yeah, I get what you mean, exactly. Yeah, so Prejudgment is not a very good thing. And also, as you say, someone coming into work and you've already spoken to this participant and said, oh, can you do this? And then they've come in and gone, they shouldn't be doing that. They yeah, haven't actually yeah. found out the background information of what's going on in the ward before they've already jumped on them and made a judgment. And also nurses, we, we do have slightly different opinions about things. Yeah. And, you know, and I've said to patients, you know, where I've seen them confused and I, and I like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm able to see their side of it too. Yeah, you know, which is really good when you can see the yes. other person's point of view. Then yep. it makes your job a lot easier. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, um, I did want to touch on uh, that you've had uh, treatment for cancer and you were quite unwell the last couple of years. Yep. Yep. And um, you've come yeah, through that. Do you want to explain a bit of what happened? Sure. Well, it's funny. I think. I, work, I ended up leaving working at Broadmeadows inpatient unit and I was on night shift working at the Austin. Yeah. And I actually remember having, oh, I had a bad vibe, I don't know. I thought, I remember thinking, oh, I, th- I think I could die. I don't know where that came from. Right? And I thought, I just felt like I was in a bad space. Yeah. And then I remember sitting in a tea room talking to this um, admin person that I work with, lovely woman who told me that she'd lost, had to have part of her lung taken out. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh, my goodness, you poor thing, and came home and said to Sasha, oh, this poor woman at work, you know, she's had to have a quarter of her lung taken out. Well, you know, a few weeks later I'm being told um, that I need to have my whole lung taken. Oh, my God. I know. I was like, and I was like bartering going, oh, you know, just a quarter of her lung? No, no, we'll have to take the whole lung. Half a lung, half a lung. No, no, a whole lung. And then, you know, three quarters. <laughs> anyway, blah, blah, blah. Easy for me to joke now. But um, basically I was working a night shift and I, in the morning um, a nurse came on the day shift and she, she saw me sort of leaning on the desk looking a bit awful and she said, oh, you falling asleep there? And I said, oh, I feel awful. Anyway, next thing they got the blood pressure machine and I had really high blood pressure and someone offered to drive me down to the um, ED and I had blood tests and so forth. And then they didn't actually pick it up for – I had a chest X-ray. Everything seemed okay. And then a week later I got a phone call, um, oh, we really want you to come and have a CT scan. You might just have pneumonia but you've got something on your lung. Anyway. Within weeks I was being told I had this tumour in my bronchus and that I had to have it taken and I had to have my whole lung. Um, and I, I suppose I just, for the most part, I I felt like I really had a great part. I have a great partner who was positive about it. Yeah. Um, I had lots of family support. And I think I realised I'm strong. People say I'm strong because I reach out to people and tell them. And they give me strength, yeah. you know, and I had a lot of support. A friend of mine's husband was an anaesthetist. You know, he said people live really well with one lung and my friend was a nurse and she told me all about the procedure and I felt really not that I'd be okay. Yeah. And, 
and I and I got through it really well and recovered very quickly. Um, and I had Reiki. I had a bit of woo-woo, frou-frou, as you call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried the Reiki and I, I think I meditated and just, yeah, just believed that I would get through it. And, look, the relevance of me asking you that question is because I've got to know you more after you've gone through the cancer. And, I mean, I, I've met you a few times years ago um, yep. and I saw you as a positive person but even after this I've seen you as a really positive person and I think for anyone who listens who's either going to start treatment is going through treatment has finished treatment it's not all doom and gloom there is that bright uh-huh. person inside everybody that can come out and yep. you're you're Absolutely. proof of that yeah 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 and you know then I was told I in 2018 they found spots on my liver so now I mean they say I'm terminal yeah um, but it, the type of cancer that they've now diagnosed me with is called neuroendocrine tumor um, cancer yeah and it's people can live for many years um, it was sort of indicated to me that I may have five years but I really believe I've got many more years yeah. I, I'm aiming for 10 yeah aim for <laughs> and, 15. Who knows? Exactly. Sasha says, why are you aiming for 10? Yeah. I said, I'll get to 10 and then I'll aim for 20. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? I don't really know. No, but, but look, I just, I really love your attitude and <laughs> that you don't just focus on that because a lot of people would just yeah. go into the, oh, my God, well, this is what I've got and I'm not going to live very long. I mean, we've all got a certain amount of time to live. Um and we've all got to enjoy it and be as positive as we can. And your positivity just shines from you. <laughs> I think my look. I really, I've really gone into spirituality. Um, yeah. Um, many years ago, um, from a young child, I think my brother used to. Uh, he actually laughed at me one day because I said, "You are the one who got me into fairies. You taught me that." Fairies dance on mushrooms, you know, and they're this. And he says, Jane, I was joking, you know, like, <laughs> but, you know, and I don't know whether it's just a nice narrative, but I don't think death's the end. I think it's like a bubble that bursts back into the oneness. Yeah. So I have a nice narrative that supports me, and I think that counts for a lot. Yeah. Um, and I also have read a book, I've actually got the book. It's called um, Radical Remission, Surviving Cancer Against All Odds. Um, And this woman, Kelly A. Turner, um, who has a PhD, um, she studied people that got through cancer. And so I read that. I mean, she doesn't promise you that you're going to, but she gives you hope that you have more and she empowers you, puts the power back in you and to be guided by your own intuition and to eat as well as you can. But not, yeah, she's she's not fundamental in her teaching. She's very lovely and gentle with her. So that, that helped me too. Yeah, that's great. So I've had treatment. I've had targeted radiation at Peter Mac and I've had um, chemotherapy orally. I went through treatments for about 18 months and they were spaced out well. Yeah. And I went to work and people were great to me and encouraging and I just, yeah, I just feel I've been lucky that so far the tumours that they last they reported was the tumours were shrinking. So, wow. So that's really good. That's so amazing. I'm, I'm in good space. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. 
Yeah. Well, let's hope that they keep shrinking. Absolutely. That's what I like to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, usually I'd ask you where you think you'll be in five years, but you've just answered that you're going to be here in 10, so we know that. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that you feel that you want to do in your life that it's like, oh, I've always wanted to do? I'd like to be have more freedom to really be the person I want to be with people who I'm helping. Yep. And I do find in the um, the conservative sort of hospital, it's a bit, you know, I'm not saying, you know, it's wrong, but I would like to be out there as a support worker probably um, or, or doing things, having fun with people and encouraging them and running groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd like to help sell my partner's art yep. and maybe explore some of my own creativity. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's always good to encourage people uh, in a group because when you're in a group setting, they tend to learn more off everybody in that group. Whereas if you're trying to learn something on your own, you don't tend to pick up ideas as much because you're thinking just in your own head. But when you see other yes. people doing things, you go, oh, actually, I could incorporate that in what I want to do. That's right. And you learn off each other and absolutely. And it, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask you what is something that you do to keep yourself positive, but you've sort of told us that as well. <laughs> <laughs> try to laugh, try to dance. Trying try to do my yoga. I must admit, I did see your dance on Facebook the other day. <laughs> I can't remember the song. I go, I go, why am I putting this out there? No one else does. Anyway. No, but it was good because it made me go, wow, look, someone there is just dancing and having a great time, and that's probably what everybody has said to you. That's what I think we need to do more, and we need to laugh and we need to dance more. We punctuated yeah. throughout our week of all the other things we have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Jane, that's it. But it's been absolutely <laughs> fantastic. It's been such a good good story that you've told and the way you've told it and what you've done and what you've accomplished Aww. and how you're still going forward and you're not letting things drag you down. It's been amazing. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I've really loved it too and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk. So that's all right. It was, it was great. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. All right, (laughs) bye-bye. Bye-bye. So if you would like to contact me, you can contact me at lifechangesu.com.au, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, enjoy all that life has to offer. Look after each other. Bye-bye.